0: Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 623. Welcome back to the recap. Hello, Big Chillians. Welcome back to to The Big Chill Podcast. Frank joined, as always, with Eddie, in case you forgot who we were. Good to see you, Eddie.
1: <laughs> yeah, good to see you, virtually, having spent some time with you in person and not recorded a podcast. But yeah, we're yeah. back.
0: Apparently, that's our thing. We, we don't like to record in person. No, <laughs> We have never. ample opportunities lately, yeah. but I've decided against it.
1: Yeah, no, and I... But yeah, no, it's, it's good to be back. Obviously, we haven't had recorded an episode in about, well, just over a month, which means... Wow. We Which means have... Eddie had a
0: nice vacation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not all a vacation, but it does mean that we've got a lot to catch up on, or an impossible amount to catch up on, I suppose. The yeah. NFL season looks radically different to when we last spoke about it. Been, been big developments in the Premier League, so many things. Champions
0: League has already reached knockout stages. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, cricket uh, World Cup finished. <laughs> yeah. Lots of di- lots of different things happened while we were not speaking to each other in a recorded format. But yeah, it's it's good to be back.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess the the optimal place to start was you recently visited the football Hall of Fame. And that I, I was it. not. I was not part of that <laughs> vacation trip. No. Uh, what was the football Hall of Fame like?
1: It wasn't bad. Like would I say, absolutely go out of your way to visit? Is this the know.
0: first professional sports Hall of Fame you've been to? Yeah,
1: I mean okay. that's a. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a huge sports. I actually don't think I'm a huge sports museum person in general. I tend to find them to be not that interesting. Um, this was, for starters, it's pretty expensive, so it is forty five dollars to get in, which you know is a standard. How museum. much time
0: are you consuming though? Is it like is it, it like a four hour commitment? Because then it's not terrible.
1: They it's say wasting half a day. They say two hours to get through it. Oh wow! If you really, really, really wanted to study all the buss, then maybe you could make four the hours. bus. <laughs> but <laughs> it was. A lot of tight ends. <laughs> yes. But no, I mean, it was good. There was some like, they did some nice, they do have some interactive features, which are kind of cool. Like if you took a kid with you, that would probably be pretty interesting. It gives yeah. you the chance. I mean, I sent you some photos. You're kind of comparing your body size to professional <laughs> athletes. That's kind of cool. Like seeing hand size, they have the grips. I also showed you that where they, yeah, that they kind cool. of molded those like several quarterbacks grips onto the ball. So you can put your hand and feel where, what their hand position is like on the ball and also see their hand size. That's a kind of cool experience. Um, they had a helmet you could put on and hear the play call in your, in your helmet to try and Basketball. sort of replicate that experience. And, you know, you could put pads on and stuff um, at different moments. The biggest selling point of the experience is they have this uh, holographic locker room that you can go into um, where Joe Namath kind of. Oh, God.
0: (laughs) Oh, God. The amount of jokes that just circulated when you just said Joe (laughs) Namath and locker room just made me so happy.
1: A hologram of Joe Namath speaks to you I want to about, kiss you <laughs> it's not far off <laughs> speaks to you about the importance it's basically i'm i'm not going to i'm not going to lie it gets you a little motivated kind of you're in there for i think it's 17 minutes long and when you leave I could have run through a wall it does give you that feeling it's it's several different players popping up to tell you about how they overcame challenges in football and how you can apply that to your everyday life And it's afterwards, it's about go and win your life kind of experience. Is it like
0: Joe Namath, Ray Lewis, Ray Rice? No. Uh, (laughs) No, it uh, was
1: Ruggins. (laughs) It was Jim Brown. Uh, Jim Brown was actually, even though he's a very charismatic speaker, he was actually probably the worst of them. He was just too serious. That didn't really appeal to me, you know. But it, it was good. That was actually quite cool. I wish they had more of that. Like I was hoping for more – I was hoping for – I have to admit I read online that there was some interactive stuff and I was hoping there was going to be like a throw a football thing There was your, a... There was none of that.
0: See, because I was going to say I, I also – I guess I'm not a big sports museum. I don't know who is a big sports museum person. I don't know if there's someone who's traveling the world going to different sports museums but – um, I'd been to the hockey hall of fame cause I w- lived in Toronto. So I'd gone a few times and then when people would visit Toronto, I would go with them as well, but that was really fun because there was a lot of interactive stuff. So there was one where like you could be the goalie and they would have shots thrown at you and you could see how you could save it and they would film it and you could like download the film clip of you making saves. And then it had the reverse where like you were shooting on an interactive goalie on a screen and it would be like Lundquist or someone else, you know, it, that was really cool. Um, and there was a lot of those types of things in the hockey ones. So the hockey was pretty cool. I figured that would be easy to do for football, like to do like a longest throw challenge. Even if you did it into a screen like a, like a golf ball, I mean, that would be kind of easy.
1: You would have thought. Um, you know, yes, yeah, some kind of test your arm strength thing. There would have been even do some of maybe the combine drills. I mean, maybe not run a 40 because people are just going to tear their <laughs> that
0: hamstrings. <would> be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> they just have like an ambulance just sitting there.
1: <laughs> but, you know, some of the jumping elements and stuff you could have done. I mean, still, I guess they're they're. Their concern is people just injuring themselves. The average <laughs> just age of people... As
0: they're waiting to happen.
1: The average age of the people wandering around was probably in the 60s. I mean, admittedly, I was there on a weekday. So that's always kind of kind of happen, I guess. But that was the disappointing part. You can play Madden at the end of it. That was the... <laughs> that was a big oh, wow. There was a big Madden section. For but, $10
0: more dollars, I could have bought the game. <laughs> yes.
1: But... That was the. Now, it's a huge complex. That's the thing that struck me. The actual museum itself is not massive, but obviously there's the stadium there where they play yeah. the, Hall of, Fame the game. Hall of Fame game. And I think Canton plays, I think, I guess it's the Canton High School. I'm not actually sure. Maybe there's a university there that's playing some games there pretty consistently, I think. So, I mean, the, it is Ohio. Space isn't a premium. So, yeah, the stadium's cool. But then on <laughs> top of it, too, there's like a whole sort of like shopping mall section, like stuff built up. There's a Ferris wheel. There's a whole bunch of, there's a a brewery there. There's a lot of stuff where you could spend a whole day there. There's a brewery. (laughs) I did not go to the brewery. But yeah, there is, it was interesting, but I wouldn't tell someone you absolutely have to go unless you just love the Super Bowl rings. You got to see a Super Bowl ring from every year. That was kind of cool. That's kind of You know,
0: Are they really? Think, can we steal? Yeah, them? no, they were real.
1: I think basically there's a requirement. Oh, we make a the heist team, movie. Yeah, I think the requirement was the team has to make one to go to the Hall of Fame too. <laughs> basically, is what's happening. Nice. And there's some cool little memorabilia, you know. So, and the history of football stuff, I definitely learned some things. Uh, you kind of walk through the history of the NFL year by year. They do that pretty well. There's some cool facts that you can pick up pretty easily. So, it's it's. It's good. Did you learn de- that
0: they call it the Super Bowl because it was Super News? That was the original sponsor, of the newspaper?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you try to he try to merge the Bay of the World Series with the Super Bowl. Yeah. Here? <laughs> but no, it was yeah, it was pretty good. One guy I did like we were we were this word obviously does not translate as well to the pod, the busts section. I was walking around looking at them—the face statues, the, the head face statues. statues. Yeah, just the heads, <laughs> just the shoulder, top of the shoulders, and the heads. I was—you kind of walking through, and it's pretty impressive. They got those presented really nicely, and um, I mean, the really remarkable thing that you can see, right? Uh, at first everybody's white and by the end of it everybody's black. That's one of the things that you've, to, you've noticed that transition. Now but, are they are they any good or are we looking at
0: like Ronaldo-like statues?
1: So this is the thing. So I'm walking through and there's this random guy standing next to me and then he just turns to me goes I can't tell who any of these fucking people are. <laughs> <laughs> he was like "Yeah, they didn't have their names on them I wouldn't know who these people are at all. That's and crazy. it's true that for the most part, they do not look... They look kind of like the person. And yeah. when you put the name to it, you get it. But if you just told me... Like, if you took photos of them, removed the names, and then gave me a quiz with 20 of them, I probably get maybe 50% right.
0: And this is where 3D printing has to come in big here. <laughs> this can't be difficult to do anymore.
1: Yeah, you wouldn't have thought so. And, yeah, it's just... It's not Ronaldo statue bad, but it's, it's like, it's not better than you'd have if you went, if you had some weird kind of eccentric friend who was having one of those made for themselves in their house. You know, some like weirdo who really enjoyed having paintings of themselves and things. It's that standard of quality. So no, you weren't, it wasn't lifelike. I had a big thing. I obviously, you saw that I posted, there was a guy called Hewitt in the hall of fame you made the joke about his head not being big enough for him to be related to me. <laughs> I, I If the head did sizes, did I make are, that
0: joke? It must've been on autopilot. I don't remember <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> if their head sizes are accurate, some of them have ridiculously tiny heads. Deion Sanders' head was sort of puny, so I I'm, I I can't imagine that's how small his head is in real life. But but no, overall, I don't know. I'd give it like a seven out of ten. I'd probably, okay. if you had a young kid who liked football, I think you could go there and have a pretty nice time. But at the same time, I wouldn't go super out of my way. It was not a pilgrimage, I don't think.
0: Well, I mean, that was just one of your many adventures over this month long trek around the United States. <laughs> yeah,
1: now I covered a lot of ground in the last month, I got to see a nice cross section of the United States. So obviously I did. Uh, yeah, Arizona, California, Florida, Um, just visiting people, so that was pretty nice. Uh, Flew through a a few other places as well. It was was good. Unfortunately, I mean, we like to do travel stories, right? I was hoping to get more frustrating travel stories from the experience. (laughs) Most people were pretty rational and reasonable on the trip. The only thing on my flight back to Paris today, someone did... Eat chicken nuggets before we even took off, and that person should have been murdered. (laughs) If I'm not a fan of bringing your own food on a plane under any circumstances, really, unless you have very specific dietary requirements. I mean, little snacks. I'm. It's tough.
0: This is tough though because there are times where, like, I if I fly out of Tucson, I obviously have a connection, and then I usually have a much longer flight. And then sometimes in that connection, I don't have time to get lunch. So it's either like I need to buy something and eat it on the plane or I'm not eating for eight hours. And for me, if I don't eat in eight hours, I might literally die. So <laughs> I have to bring something on the plane. But I'll bring like a sandwich. Like I'll buy like a, a a turkey sandwich and, and yeah, eat that's, it or whatever.
1: That's tolerable. You and I usually con- eat
0: it when like drinks are coming out and meals are coming. I'm not like... Like as people are still loading, like being a savage and just downing food, staring at people walking by me.
1: McDonald's in an enclosed space is not great anyway. So for starters, it's you're an asshole for having that be the the food of choice you've chosen to bring on the airplane. And the fact that they were eating it before we even – before the boarding process had finished, which at that point, just eat it before you get on the plane. You had enough time. You could have sat outside and eaten it. And then – and this was – There were two groups around me who were both eating McDonald's, so they were not alone in this respect. So just as a public service announcement to people who are flying, obviously with the the holiday period coming up, more people will be taking trips, please don't take fast food on an airplane. People around you will not like you. It's not a nice thing to do. It stinks. You might not notice how much it smells, but when you stick yourself in an enclosed capsule, it smells pretty strong, even if you're not sitting that close to you.
0: <laughs> and that is your Edward Hewitt public service announcement for this exactly, podcast. Exactly. Welcome back.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, it was it, it, but all overall, people traveling were quite reasonable. I was disappointed on my flight to Paris. I had no one sitting next to me. You know, I like to talk to people on the airplane. Someone moved next to me just before landing, which I didn't totally understand why that happened, but they asked if they could sit next to me while we were landing. She was very man nice or woman. To me. Woman. Of course. She, yeah. Yes. yeah, she was just, she'd been eyeing me up for eight hours. and She, she heard just, you got
0: the Joe Namath speech. <laughs>
1: yes, I was ready to run through a wall for her. But she uh, she was very pleasant, um, but it, I didn't totally understand. At the end, she said it was because her husband was sitting in business class <laughs> and she needed to move further up the plane because she was back in economy, and she he was very particular about being the first people off of the plane, and so she had to move up so that she was able to get off the plane quickly. Now, I kind of felt sorry for her at that point because that sounds like an awful traveling experience, and then because we landed earlier than expected, we actually had to get onto a bus, to get bus to the terminal, we weren't actually kind of, That's you know. so annoying. It is annoying. But it meant that he, I then got to see him in person on the bus, and he wasn't his happy. mind. No. We're being treated like fucking cattle here. That was the <laughs> line that I heard. <laughs> oh, the cattle comment. Which <laughs> I that,
0: love, because then the other option is like, would you rather walk across a tarmac for 45 minutes?
1: <laughs> or sit and wait on a plane for an available space at a terminal for – an Twenty-five, hour. yeah, could like, be up which, to an hour. Who knows? Yeah, which because that that happened to me on one of the flights I took because we landed thirty minutes early, and then we literally sat on a sat on the tarmac for forty minutes, and that's a much more. If you had offered me there, can you get off and get on a bus? I would take that every time. But yeah, I don't know. People just as we speak about every time traveling brings out the worst in in humanity, um, but for the most part, I did see people were there. <laughs> The people were pretty reasonable. There was a person behind me. Now was that –
0: wait, real quick. The the cattle comment. Was that the classic move where he's speaking out loud, like hoping people hear and then like interact? Yeah. Yeah, that was the – That is the most annoying thing in the planet. Like let's let's bond
1: over this frustration thing. Like I'm going to say this to my wife, but I'm going to say it loudly enough that someone else can chime in and be like, I know. What are they doing to us? Unacceptable, huh? But yeah, no, for the most part, people were pretty pleasant. Now, sports catch up.
0: Well, I I had a way we could do a little bit of the sports catch up because I think we're not going to be able to dive into every topic that we've missed the past month. So I had some little intros that we could do into the sports so I can start with the Premier League and. I saw on Instagram uh, one of the Premier League think, pages I follow posted up a uh, like a spoof on the Spotify 2023. So this is a little different, obviously, than the season because it's in the calendar year of 2023. And I figure we get right back into our podcast with a little trivia for you. Can you name me in order? The most points by clubs in 2023.
1: Oh, boy. Do I factor Everton's uh, 10-point deduction into this?
0: Yes. (laughs) Which also Uh, happened during our break. (laughs) Yeah, we spoke
1: about that beforehand. The speculation there was going to be 12 points in the end. It came in very swiftly. It was 10 points. Um, But, yeah, we can speak about that in more detail, I guess, at another time. Okay, I'm gonna I have to put Manchester City top of the pile, even though they're not top of the league at the moment, just because they closed the gap on Arsenal in the second half of the season. Yes, eighty-two
0: points in twenty twenty three leading by a substantial margin.
1: I'll put okay. Arsenal second.
0: Arsenal second, seventy-one points.
1: Now it gets trickier. I'll put Liverpool third.
0: Liverpool is fourth at sixty seven.
1: Newcastle? Not in the top five. Yeah, they had a bad second half of the season last year, relatively speaking. Not. Uh, Manchester United. Manchester United, number five,
0: also at 67. So, so I guess I'm missing number, fourth. I'm missing, missing number three. three had Aston a good, Villa? Yes, Aston Villa at 71. Actually tied for second with Arsenal. Had a good end to yeah. the season last year and is doing well this season. Now, can you name, you'll have to do an order, the top five goal scorers of 2023 in the Premier League? All right, so Holland. Holland, number one, 31 goals. A machine,
1: unstoppable. I'll put, I mean, Rashford has to be up there because he had that incredible run post-World Cup.
0: Rashford, not up there. Really? Not.
1: Wow. Um, Not having hmm.
0: a great season this year, though.
1: No, but he had such a good post-World Cup run, I would have thought that that would just have put yeah. him in there. Uh, Mo Salah. Mo Salah, number two. Consistent. Consistent
0: Salah. Tough. This is going to be tough. Not easy here. Watkins? Ollie Watkins, yes. Number four, 19.
1: Um, Isak? No. Ooh, close, though. Ooh, uh, son? No. <laughs> oh, <gosh>. Close, though. <laughs> A lot of closes. Uh, gosh, who
0: else? So, um, If you figure out why I say close, you should be able to get them.
1: Gabriel Jesus.
0: No. You haven't figured out why I said close. Why,
1: why <laughs> you said close? <laughs> Are those because they're players from the same team? Is this yes. the clue? uh almiron no nope. so there's another newcastle player there's a newcastle player oh, okay yeah, come back to new so who was the you gave me a close so son was close so harry kane is in the top five even harry though he hasn't kane's played. still
0: in the top five even <laughs> though he has play hasn't played in the played. premier league <laughs> that's impressive with 17 uh, very impressive
1: so what what place is he in
0: He is in fifth. So you're missing number three with 20 goals in 2023.
1: And that's a Newcastle player. Yes. And it's not not Almiron. This is going to frustrate me greatly. Newcastle is one of those teams who sometimes I can just briefly forget who their players are. He's English. He's English. Oh, um... Gosh, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, used to play for Bournemouth. Uh, Callum Wilson. Yes,
0: I think okay. that Harry Kane being on the top five list is so
1: impressive. <laughs> so how far? So, so how many? He has seventeen. You said yes. And so, what does sixth have at the moment?
0: I don't know it doesn't say that, okay,' would be inter- give you Because
1: <laughs> it would be interesting to see if he could potentially stay in the top five by the end of this season. I mean obviously that would not no longer count. I guess can he stay in the top five until actually the end of the calendar year, so he has another month to survive, yeah, which is that given the premier League, you know you've got a busy Christmas period that actually is a lot of games, so he could could drop out, I suppose, but. But yeah, no, Premier League, not too much change as a quick wrap-up since we last spoke. Obviously, some a few Well, big I mean, a little were...
0: change. I mean, Arsenal and City kind of
1: close the gap there. Yeah, but City didn't, you know, City, you know, obviously drew with Liverpool in a match that they probably should have won. They had a couple of disallowed goals. They mostly bossed the match. Um, I think City will kind of feel as if they got through this period reasonably well. And if you're Arsenal, I think the concern would be it's a little bit like we've spoken about before, right? That you have to be ahead of City with by a decent margin with 10 matches to go. You're not going to go toe-to-toe with them in the down the final stretch. We've watched teams try to do that and mostly fail over the past few seasons. So, you know, it feels like Arsenal are pretty much in close to top gear at the moment and still even though city have gone through a relatively tough patch of fixtures you know they're right there with each other so it's difficult to see anyone other than city winning the league to be honest but you know and they still city have some key players coming back from injury you know relatively soon so um you know
0: now I have a question for you. So Aston Villa currently fourth, which I think is they'd be very happy with. Now, I understand that part of Grealish leaving is the fact that they had, I think it was, what, a hundred million pound transfer? Yeah. So maybe this is a moot question, but do you think Grealish has any... Uh, Not disappointment, but kind of uh, would be nice if I were still on this club and would be a top four club, be playing every day and have a much more prominent role.
1: No, because I think the difference between if you compare like the Harry Kane, how will he feel looking at Spurs having a good season? Although obviously they've stumbled in recent weeks, but you can look at him and he could say from a personal level, I mean, I think he is probably becoming a better player at Bayern Munich. But at the same time you know he was very much the complete product already he was England captain he'd cemented his place in the England team like i don't think jack grealish is has the role he has in the England team currently if he was if he were still at aston villa i think he's improved tremendously as a player at manchester city obviously he speaks about how the impact that pep guardiola has had on on his career and that learning period he went through in those first sort of 12 to 18 months So I don't think, I think he would feel like he's just a better player. And then you throw in, he's won the champions league and the premier league stuff that he would just, even if Aston Villa to maintain this stuff, he would never have, never have done. I think for him, maybe this makes him think towards like, if Aston Villa can kind of turn themselves into a consistently top six, top five team, maybe there's a chance for him to go back to Aston Villa towards the end of his career and have a nice, to go back to his hometown club and, not feel like you're dropping off significantly in terms of standard, that maybe is a thought in his mind, um, but obviously, you know he's still relatively young. That's a, a long way off, and the Premier League would tell you there's a very limited chance that Aston Villa are still the team that they are now in four or five seasons. But yeah, I think for him, no regrets. I think Harry Kane, when Spurs were flying. Not
0: not flying anymore.
1: No. Three straight losses. Yeah. (laughs) But if you told him then, like if you told him Spurs are going to win the Premier League, do you regret leaving? I think that would have been an absolutely yes answer. Whereas I think Grealish, there's almost nothing Aston Villa could do now that would make him regret having made that decision. Even if Aston Villa won the Premier League, which they're not going to do, I still think he would say, I was right to leave. So, yeah,
0: I think you're right, too. I mean, I mean, Grealish is obviously much younger than Harry Kane. So a lot more development in in terms of being a player. So he's probably benefited greatly, whereas Harry Kane probably has gotten better. But at this point, I mean, he's probably in the tail end of the prime of his career. So, you know, getting better is a very marginal
1: term. Yeah. And you just have to look right. I mean, look at Ollie Watkins. And his role in the England team. Now, admittedly, he's trying to wrestle one, posi- one place away from Harry Kane, who <laughs> might be the best player in the world in that position and is England captain. So that is a more difficult challenge than Grealish faces out wide, although that's still an incredibly competitive position for England. I think you just see, like, would Southgate be putting hit that level of faith in him if Jack Grealish were just playing well in the Premier League for a team punching above their weight versus week in week out training with some of the best players in the world playing in the champions league proving himself at absolutely the highest level probably not like he is probably then missing out certainly from a starting perspective all of the time to rashford saka uh you know foden like i just don't think there's a chance he would be starting matches for england really so I think he will feel as if he absolutely made the right decision, but obviously he's a big Aston Villa supporter, so I'm sure he's probably happy for them. You know, he, in his mind, I bet you he hopes Aston Villa can finish second and Manchester City win the league, and that will feel nice for him. But, yeah, no, I think no no regrets from his perspective.
0: And then moving to the Champions League, I mean, not fully done yet, right? I think they have one one set of fixtures left, but a lot of – Teams have kind of stamped their way onto the next round, um, and I think a lot of them are expected. There was the group of death, which had a very big match that became quite controversial in the Newcastle-PSG match, where uh, Newcastle was leading for, what, the first 95 minutes, 96 minutes of that match, yeah. uh, and then suffered a late handball penalty Yeah, Mbappé converted to get the draw. And there's been a lot of controversy over this handball. And I know you love to debate the intricacies of of European football rules and regulations. Laws. Laws. laws, Sorry. Yeah. Why don't you walk us through the penalty and and your thoughts on it?
1: So I mean, look, we kind of adopted since the introduction of VAR, or VAR, depending on which since that introduction right they've and some changes that they've made they removed the requirement for any element of sort of intentional arm contact uh both for, at first that was only for attacking players now they've also done the same for defending players and any arm contact in the build up to anything is considered to be a handball now i don't love that because i think you see plenty of instances where you know, this whole sort of is your ha- arm in a natural body position, I think, becomes very difficult to interpret at times. You see those moments where players are falling and potentially putting an arm down to sort of brace themselves. But that means their arm is away from their body. And then that's a handball. I just feel like it's too inconsistent now. And I think we saw that right the very next day with Bayern Munich, who are, were originally given a penalty in injury time in their match. And then it went was reviewed. And then the penalty was then it was decided it was not a penalty. And those instances, those, those examples were pretty similar to me. And it's difficult for me to look at the same competition, which should be applying exactly the same standards within 24 hours of each other, basically making completely opposite decisions. And that's the thing. It's the inconsistency in any sport, right? It's the inconsistency of officiating that will drive people mad. I think as long as you're consistent you can accept pretty much any interpretation and it feels like for the most part no one really knows what a handball is anymore. Like you just kind of now assume that anything that brushes a hand or an arm is going to be given as a handball, but you kind of don't know at times and that's the thing that bothers me. I don't think I think from the things that we saw over the this week in the Champions League, I don't think any of them were truly handballs. I don't think that's what should be – I don't think you should be punished for those kind of situations happening. But at the same time, the fact that there was a difference in opinion and interpretation, that's what kills me. And the Bayern Munich players afterwards, Thomas Muller, spoke about that Uh, in his post-match press conference or interview. He said this seems the same as the – the penalty we weren't given seems almost identical to the penalty that PSG were given last night so and
0: and now let me so if i if I understood the interpretation correctly, the ball had deflected off of the chest and then onto his arm, and his arm was in like a running motion, so if you kind of picture yeah. your arm like one arm out as you're like away running, from your body, yeah, before you like pump it back into your body. Now the deflection doesn't matter, correct? It's just the fact that they deem that to be in an unnatural position.
1: Yeah, I mean, technically, obviously, if you are attempting to control the ball, then that would make it really clear with your arm. But yeah, the in a sense, where the ball goes is irrelevant. So, and also, I think this is the frustrating thing, sometimes when you see them you know, there's been a couple of instances, right, where the ball's been sort of going out of play and brushed a player's arm, where you can just tell there's no way this player was in, like there was no advantage at all to him having this hit his arm. You know, you've seen players falling over as the ball is sort of trickling out for a goal kick, and then because it's brushed their hand, it's been given <laughs> as a handball. I think it's it's basically is your arm away from this idea of natural position. Arm position seems to be difficult to interpret too, right? Because running, that's a natural position for your arm to be in when you're moving. But basically, it's is your arm away from your body, and then if your arm's away from your body and it hits your arm, then they're probably going to give a handball. But that's that's where it becomes inconsistent because some other people will say, "Well, that's a natural arm position, so I won't give the penalty." Yeah, and that's where we're seeing that difference in interpretation, but. Yeah, it's frustrating. I think you're seeing penalties given that never would have been given in the past. And that's fine as long as, you know, we're probably going to see a match, you know, like the Champions League final or something where a similar incident happens and they'll say, well, no, I mean, it's a natural arm position, so we're not going to award a penalty. So it's... And I don't expect perfection out of officiating, I think. is, But the more technology we add in the more you expect consistency. I think that's the thing we really, you yeah. know, and that's the problem is we're seeing more technology and we're not necessarily seeing more consistency. And I can tolerate, I don't mind, I'm not one of those people who loses their minds. As we know, we've spoken about, I think neither of us do over refereeing or officiating mistakes. Like I think those are part of sports. And I actually think that kind of adds to sometimes the charm of it. It sucks to be on the receiving end of a bad decision, but kind of it is just the way, you know, the cookie crumbles when you're playing a competitive sport. But when you are adding in that review system and you're still not having consistency in decision-making, that's where it's kind of unacceptable. And for Bayern Munich, obviously in the PSG match, it was important because of the way their group is set up. Like that has a big impact on who might go through. In the Bayern Munich match, it kind of didn't matter. Although it did run end Bayern Munich's run of winning every home match since two, in the Champions League since 2018, which is quite an impressive record. So, you know, they'll be disappointed that, in a sense, that was taken away from them right at the end. They could have knocked out another year of all, winning all of their group stage matches.
0: So, I think that is a good summation for european football so now moving into the nfl my segue for this is is not as direct but there's nothing like you have a full sunday slate of nfl you wake up early you make yourself a nice breakfast get ready to sit down for seven hours of uninterrupted football and you go to make your bacon and you have a decision to make on how do you cook your bacon (laughs) (laughs) and i i want to say this not because you are the most opinionated person i know but to 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 say this in that we had a discussion on our chat about what's the best way to cook bacon and you are on firmly on one and i'll let you speak on you're firmly on one camp and the way you ate the bacon was not cooked the way that you would have cooked it what is crazy to me is that... No, no, the way
1: I ate the bacon was the way I would have cooked it. It upsets someone else.
0: Oh, okay. There we go. So, yeah. What was crazy to me was then the next day I came to work, went on my usual Yahoo.com, which gives me my the random stories. And the second story on Yahoo.com was I tested the top 10 ways to cook bacon. And here's what I thought the best one was. The amount of listening on... on like chats and phone calls by, by the internet and, and it's insane <laughs> to me. There is no way that pops up if we do not have that conversation.
1: So I think there, right, because we're having that on Facebook Messenger, I do think there they definitely are um, kind of, you know, you're, what you're saying is being analyzed. I don't think your, your phone is not being, like your iPhone is not listening to you. I don't believe that when like people are sitting, like my phone is listening to me. And like, we had a recent incident, right, when Olivier, the guy who was with us in Arizona, got an ad for an air fryer after he'd been in your house and we've been speaking about the air fryer. And 100% I he, because. <laughs> the easy conclusion is to say because your phone heard you talking about the air fryer. <laughs> the, the reality is that the, your, his phone will have seen that he was close to your phone and probably in your house. It probably knows that and they will know that you own an air fryer. And so it will then push ads. Is that is that better? I think you're it's like
0: that sound is like no. This is this is this is way better. This is way okay. It can tell when you're close to someone who owns and searches for things, <laughs> and that you might be interacting with them. That's that's fine. a
1: little. It's a At little this bit point, better. Just listen to the conversation. <laughs> I don't know. It's a little bit better. It's a little bit more. It's a, that's more slightly. I don't love either of them, but that's slightly more acceptable. But back to the bacon over oh, the analytics
0: okay um yeah so it was sorry the eight best ways or the eight ways that bacon is cooked which one was the best now i will just jump right to the punchline. the so the caveat here being it isn't just based off of taste they rank it based off of like taste texture and like ease of cooking and cleanup which i don't really agree with if i'm gonna eat bacon i don't care if i have to clean it up i want the best bacon possible but the best bacon cooking method is baking baking it on parchment paper. So the big debate you are having is whether to bake it or to fry it. And this study says a rating of 10 out of 10 is to bake it on a pan with parchment paper.
1: Which is what I do at home. I did not, <laughs> I did not write this article. And I don't... Wait, let but me I check. Find...
0: Hold on, hold on. No, you did not. Okay. <laughs> well, I could have used a, a pen name, you know.
1: But and I Taylor find, Pittman. <laughs> I find that if you use parchment paper in an oven, you get both – you get the benefits of, of – you get everything you want out of bacon. You will have it be a slightly less greasy because the oven approach is less greasy than a frying pan. And the parchment paper means that you get crispiness that you will not get if you use nothing, if it's just in the – in a on a tray, or if you use tin foil or, or aluminium foil, depending on where you're from. So I think parchment or paper aluminum do- foil. Yeah. Parchment paper delivers the best possible result. And I agree with you. Like I do think sometimes the cleanup method, I think you kind of I know you're saying if you have bacon, and yeah, if you're having making some bacon for yourself on a Sunday morning and it's kind of part of a big home brunch thing. You don't really care about the cleanup process. But if you're someone who's like cooking bacon for your kids in the morning before they go to school and you're busy, you might care about the cleanup process. Well, you're
0: a bad parent giving them processed meats. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, okay, <laughs> but <laughs> you think I'm controversial. You've just pissed off probably every parent who listens to this podcast, <laughs> coming from two men with no children. But, How
0: about a fruit, for Christ's sake?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, oven or frying pan. but No the, fiber and bacon. <laughs> oh, boy. But... the. I think you do can kind of consider the cleanup process and the oven does significantly reduce it, right? You are just tossing. If you're cooking on parchment paper, you're just tossing that away. There's no real cleaning involved. It's kind of nice from that perspective. But I just think personally, I don't really care. Bacon is bacon to me. If you cook it in a frying pan, I'm not like, I'm not turning it down because you fried it in a frying pan over, but it's kind of nice to have slightly less greasy bacon.
0: See, I don't think it's the grease that bothers me because I uh, the other person in the chat was saying that you just throw it on some, uh, some like paper towels paper when towel you're done, or, yeah. Which 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 is what you kind of do because you can't eat it right away anyway. But to me, it actually tastes crispy. Speak for
1: yourself. I eat it right off the parchment. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I just like your sometimes, donuts. <laughs> sometimes it doesn't even make it out of the oven.
0: I'm sure it doesn't. <laughs> but I, I mean, I think like. It does taste crispier and you get like a a more like full strip because the problem with the, when you fry it in the pan is it starts to curl a lot and then it's just not as good because then you have some parts that are really crispy, some that are like kind of chewy. So I I agree with you. I always cook it in the oven as well. But if I go to like a diner or something like that, they're most often cooking on a skillet and that's pretty good too.
1: No, as I said, look, it's bacon. I like bacon. Bacon tastes good. I'm not going to, I'm not going to complain about how I don't even care that much. Some people are very particular about like how crispy their bacon has to be. I I quite like crispy bacon, but I'm not, I'm not someone who's going to be like, no, you need to cook that bacon for longer. Assuming it's cooked, I'm, you know, it's bacon. It will taste nice. But if I'm at home, you know, and I don't have a strong, as much as you'll say most opinion, opinionated person you know. I actually don't have a strong enough opinion. Like I would not be at your house and be like, you should put that in the oven. I would never do <laughs> no,
0: that. No, you would just say nothing and then go to a group chat and complain about it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, when, you, when we were at your house, you cooked me bacon and you cooked it in the oven.
0: Yeah, that's how I cook it. Yeah,
1: because you're, you're right. <laughs> All right. That, that, that rounds up the bacon chat. that was kind of a transition into the NFL. So, so now
0: you've eaten your bacon and you're yeah. getting ready to watch your Sunday NFL. Yeah.
1: And then What's I think the takeaway from the
0: month we've missed
1: is Brock Purdy the MVP again?
0: Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't actually see that
1: as being the uh, starting point. <laughs> Um, let's see. I think we've seen I think we have a much better, which is normal, I guess, is, at the end of November. I think we have a much better sense now, right, of who the good teams are. I think there's no a month ago it was a little bit uncertain. There are some teams we thought might be pretenders, and I think now there's a clear divide between the top couple of teams. I think we could put them into tiers. Not that we do power rankings or rankings. We're in a podcast, we don't do rankings. Never do rankings. No, never. But I think we could put them into tiers pretty easily. I think it's clear that the I, – I,
0: I think you can, but I still think we're being fooled a little with a few teams based off of their standings. So I guess if, if you were to put in the rankings, I think you yeah. obviously – in the NFC, you put Eagles, Niners, and yeah. I would put the Cowboys up there.
1: I think the Cowboys in, are – In
0: third, but Cowboys- they're, in that, they're in that elite group.
1: To me, it's El- the ca- – Quote, unquote, elite. To me, if I go, it, it would be like 1A is Niners, Eagles, and then Cowboys are 1B. Yeah. Okay. Yes, they have this incredible, I'm okay with that. they've never been losing at, at home yet and all this stuff. But fundamentally, I guess my issue with the Cowboys is I've just watched them get demolished in the playoffs with pretty much the same team yep. in recent seasons. And so, and yes, Dak Prescott's been really good, but really I just good. have the the Prescott
0: m- MVP talk is coming up. Yeah, uh, well, and rightfully so. Actually, I mean, he is having a, a good season, but yeah. I think they would have to beat the Eagles to to get that.
1: Yeah, yeah, because they've I- already
0: gotten smoked by the Niners and lost a close one to the Eagles. Yes, but they will play them again.
1: But no, I think, um, yeah, I think in the <sighs> NFC, it feel I feel pretty comfortable with saying. I would be very surprised if it's not one of those three teams representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. I think something weird would have happened.
0: So I guess with that, what I was saying before, the Lions are also eight and three, same record as the Niners or the Cowboys, but I do not put them in that category.
1: No, a couple of shaky performances, obviously for them to lose to the Packers on Thanksgiving and also then the manner in which they did. I mean, they were losing the entire game. I still feel like they could have won that game if i mean the decision to go for it on fourth down in the third quarter they were treating that like that was a game where they had to score on every possession almost wherein they sort of ridden the storm that the packers like first half packers were excellent although aided by lions turnovers and good field position and then the second half it, it started to feel like a game you would expect to see sometimes from good teams where they start to kind of put the squeeze on And the Packers weren't being, weren't moving the ball anymore. And you just felt like, okay, if the Lions don't do anything stupid, they're going to close this gap and they're going to win this game. And then they did something stupid and they turned what should have been sort of stuck at a one possession game into a two possession game. And then that turned it into, you probably need to score now every time you get the ball, which, you know, really changed the complexion of that game. But then, you know, also they were lucky against the bears. So it's, it's been a bad couple of weeks for them, and it's di- – yeah. I think the issue for them is their defense looks so bad. I can't see how they stop any of these. I think the Packers, Niners, Any Eagles,
0: 1A or 1B team.
1: They would yeah. think we'll <laughs> score 35-plus points against them
0: if yeah. we need to. And then you need Jared Goff to be
1: not Perfect. Jared Goff. <laughs> yeah, and I think – and then they would – all of those defenses would then look at – Jared Goff and think we're going to get at least one turnover, yeah. And so if we're scoring thirty-five points and we're getting probably a turnover or two, we're going to feel pretty good about ourselves.
0: Yeah, and you know I like Dan Campbell. Sometimes it's a little much with like how aggressive and intense he is, and and but whatever, it's it's fun, it's it's interesting. But he is starting to fall into that. I'm such a smarter coach than than you think i am category where they start doing dumb moves that they think like you ask them like do you think that was it was definitely the right move like i know my team and i know it's like no it wasn't it was the wrong move just admit it it was a stupid fucking move where you tried to look smarter than you needed to be and you tried to do like a fake punt instead of just either punting it or if you're it. I, i mean Go for it. I mean, we've talked about this numerous times. There's nothing I hate more than a fake punt or a fake field goal. Because if you really want to go for it, put your best option out to go for it. Unless the only instance is if they've clearly identified like, hey, there's this guy that's bailing out 20 yards every time. Like we saw that and we just attacked that. And it's not – it's never that. It's like maybe we'll catch him off guard. Yeah. Like no, that's – And also too –
1: the guys who are trying to make those reads, not the best, not the smartest guys on your football team, right? From a footballing IQ perspective. Like there's a reason why that guy is probably a special teams specialist yeah. and not playing more consistently in the areas of the game that matter more. Not to disparage special teams players, but they're, you know, there's probably a reason why they've ended up there over some other areas of your team. So to entrust that person to make a read... Of that significance, I think, is also always a major risk. And yes, it's a bit of a backbreaker. Like when you do see a team pull off one of those, like not to piggyback on Bill Simmons, but it is one of those things when you do see like a fake punt or fake field goal work. I would say that team, like a disproportionate number of times, wins a game. You just feel yeah. like that's, but at the same time, most of the time it fails. So I agree with you. If you're really going to go for it on, I mean, also too, it wasn't like, I can't remember the exact, it's a couple, it's 10 days, well, a week ago, I guess now. It was like fourth and seven or something, wasn't it? It wasn't that, it wasn't as yeah. if they didn't. It was like
0: be, seven minutes to go or something like in that. In the a third. Lot, a lot of time to go. No, it was yeah, in the yeah, third quarter. The third. Like It's yeah. not like
1: they just needed to pick up a yard where you could kind of do like the fakes, the snap, and then you just hope to, you know, kind of shove a guy over for a couple of yards, you get it, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it was – I feel like with Dan Campbell, he's sometimes fighting the image because he looks like such a meathead and he talks like a meathead. And I feel like sometimes <laughs> – then you know what? You're probably a meathead. He probably <laughs> if it walks like a meathead and talks like a meathead. like a meathead. <laughs> but I think sometimes he's trying to show that he's not a pure meathead by – embracing some degree of analytics or being a risk taker and that's trying to kind of show like no no, no, no i'm i'm a modern nfl coach like yeah. me and staley we're in the same camp the thing is you don't want to be in the same camp as staley because he's oh god he's not going to be an nfl because he's, he's
0: not going to be in that camp much longer <laughs> yeah. he's going to be fired
1: <laughs> his camp is going to be the unemployment line but yeah you know that's so yeah
0: so i I guess just wrapping up the nfc then i want to give you the current playoff picture as it stands now and you tell me if any of these teams that we didn't mention somewhat scare you in a sense that uh uh-oh maybe we get a game against them that's not who i want to match up so you have eagles one niners two lions three the falcons at five and six are currently the four seed (laughs) cowboys at eight and three are the five seed And then Seattle and the Vikings are the two other wild cards at six and five and six and six. And then right on the bubble are the Packers, Rams, Saints, and that's about it.
1: No. I mean, like it's difficult, you know, after seeing what the Niners did to Seattle on Thanksgiving, and I think we'll probably see something happen similar happen tonight when they play the Cowboys. I think we've just seen that they are there's a gulf in class between them and the very best teams. And they need – again, it's kind of like the Detroit Lions problem. They have a they have a good team. And Geno Smith, he's a nice story. But we're seeing him get – you know, last season was the exception. And now we're seeing closer to the real Geno Smith. And he deserves to be an NFL starting quarterback, but he's not going to be a quarterback who wins you playoff games. There's a yeah. – you know – I mean, of course he could win a playoff game. Their game their team is good enough, but he is not going to be the reason why you win. And you sometimes need that, obviously, in tight games against other good teams. So yeah, what about so the two teams that are kind
0: of on a little bit of a win streak? The Rams have won two in a row against the Seahawks, you just mentioned, and then kind of blew out the cards. And then the Packers have been looking better the past few weeks, having, you know, beat the Chargers or uh, sorry yeah beat the lions and then beat the chargers the week before and blew out the rams two weeks before that and had a very very tough loss to the steelers for which i think they should have won that game as well so they could be on a four game winning streak very close to being so but three out of the last four
1: i mean they're showing improvement and look if you're a packers fan that's room for optimism and i saw the comparison that like Statistically, Jordan Love is almost identical to Aaron Rodgers. Literally is was identical at one <laughs> yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> to, down to the,
0: down to the single yard in passing. That's yeah. crazy.
1: Now I don't think he's gonna turn into Aaron Rodgers, but uh I think there's room for optimism if you're a Packers fan, but I don't think you're scaring anybody. We'll know more about them, obviously, if they beat the Chiefs <laughs> this weekend, then Or even maybe, play them well. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's these teams who kind of can hang in there a little bit. And then you know, well, in a playoff game, you're probably not going to hang around because, you know, the like say the Raiders against the Chiefs this weekend, you know, like, yeah, it was cool. You got up 14-0 and then the Chiefs decided to kind of turn it on and we saw what you really were. Um, but, yeah, no, I think in the NFC, I think it's difficult to something. If you told me I could absolutely bet my life and everything I own and I get to have one of those three And it's just, can I take those one of those three teams to make the Super Bowl? I take it, and I don't feel uncomfortable. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. But I I just think out of past the Lions, out of all those remaining teams, you know, the Falcons, Seahawks, Vikings, Packers, Rams, Saints, I think the Packers are the only one. They don't scare me, but I think that's the team I'd like to play the least if they made the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and obviously, I mean – the niners to quickly wrap up i guess the other the two teams at the top of that standing so we didn't really the niners look back to their kind of best over the last few weeks the eagles feels like more we've been saying it all season they're sort of unconvincing but they keep winning which is both a sign of a good team to be able to have that knack that winning ability at the same time i don't feel confident in them And I don't think you can win a Super Bowl. Like, I don't think they can go through the playoffs winning every game in the manner in which they are currently winning them against good teams. You can't, you definitely can't be, keep being down at halftime and winning games, you know, especially in playoff games where, you know, you can go into all the cliches, the game tightens up and slows down, and, you know, the defense has become more of a factor. You're not going to come back from 10 point deficits week after week uh, in January. So I don't know. I don't know how to feel about them because you can't deny the fact that it's impressive. And if you look at those second half performances where they are outscoring very good teams by 10 plus points, like that's, that's something, but then you just see the moments where everything doesn't appear to be quite right. And I mean, we'll know more, if they beat the Niners this weekend, then they are, you know, kind of undeniably are top of the, power rankings that we don't have but you know if they don't like if the if the Cowboys are impressive tonight against the Seahawks and then the Eagles look off against the Niners on Sunday again and the Niners win like the Niners are up by 10 at halftime and then hold on to a 10-point lead I'd start to feel like the gap between the Cowboys and the Eagles actually probably isn't that large
0: yeah, I mean, it's not. I mean, I mean they they played once and it was extremely close. I mean, that game went down to literally yard lines. Uh, Dak Prescott stepped out at the one on that one play. The um, other catch by the tight end right at the one. You know, like, I mean, literally yards. They, they lost that game by. So I, I think they're right there with the Eagles. And yeah, it's... I, but I think there has to be something said about a team who does just continually grind it out when they need to, to win the game. And that is something that on the other side, when you talk about the Cowboys, that's something they have no experience doing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) No, and and look, you're right, because probably to win the Super Bowl, you are going to be in that situation at some point in the playoffs. And
0: that doesn't scare the Eagles at this point, I don't
1: think. They now know, okay, we're down 10 at halftime against a good team. It's fine. We can do this. Okay, we need to score on this last drive. We have total confidence. Hey, it's great to also know... We have a field goal kicker who God 57 hell, yards in, guy. <laughs> in, the, in the driving rain. And I got to say, on that field goal attempt, he crushed it. He crushed it. But the angle they showed it from on the original live television, it looked like it had no chance when he hit it. And then when you saw it, when they kind of, because it was from this sort of slightly aerial view, which isn't normally where they show a field goal from, yeah. when they then cut it to the normal one, you're like, okay, it looked good the whole way. Yeah. But. Originally, I thought, oh, no, he's missed this. But yeah, I mean, look,
0: crushed it
1: at the same time. I mean, good for him and great for them to have the confidence in him to send him out there to do that. But I still you don't want to be in that situation in a playoff game. OK, no. he is not going to make those 100 percent of the time.
0: So let's move then to the AFC. Um And yeah. again, I think this is you have top tier, and then you have other teams with a record that I don't consider top. So you have, if the playoffs were right now, you have the Ravens as the one seed with the bye, Chiefs with the two seed, Jaguars with the three seed, Dolphins with the four, Steelers with the five, Browns with the six seed, and the Colts with the seven seed at six and five. And then right on the bubble, you have the Texans at six and five, Broncos at six and five who are on a streak right now, and the Bills who are trying to inch their way into a playoffs at six and six. And then you have Bengals, Raiders, Chargers kind of below that. So really tight in the AFC. I, I think the that's going to be interesting as you go down. The wild card in the AFC is going to get really tight. And there is, I think, going to be a good team that actually misses out on making the playoffs. And whether that's the Bills, who maybe they're not as good as we think they are, but you watch them play the Eagles, and they're still a top quality team. Top tier team, I think.
1: I think the the change in offensive coordinator is obviously it appears to have helped them. That they're just a little bit more aggressive with their offensive play calling now, and that obviously kind of suits Josh Allen. I think he's a type of quarterback. Right, you have to let him take his risks, and he's going to make mistakes, but it's sort of what you have to embrace with him playing that position. I'll say this: I think the NFC right now, you can do the futures bet right, which the winning conference, and it's not even—it's ten to, you know, it's the kind of same odds. AFC, NFC. I think the NFC should be heavy favorites to win the Super Bowl because I think you can pick a lot more holes in all of these AFC teams than you can in in most of the good NFC teams. And I think whoever represents the NFC in the Super Bowl is probably going to be. favorite in the super bowl like i i'm trying to think of the scenario where eagles chiefs i think eagles are favorites niners chiefs i think niners are favorites okay cowboys chiefs maybe the chiefs are favorites just because of the pedigree and the experience but then cowboys bills if the cowboys have made it there i think then the cowboys are favorites you know i just think that would be one thing a little tip i would say i would happily back the nfc at this standpoint I think there's less quality in the AFC. I think the Ravens are the best team. I think I think they're the only Tier One AFC team for me. I don't think I still think you have to put the Chiefs in there. To me, the Chiefs are the Cowboys. I think they're one B. Except they have won multiple Super Bowls. (laughs) Well, yeah, but unfortunately, and have the best
0: quarterback in the NFL. (laughs)
1: Right, but we're not, you know, the winning multiple Super Super Bowls and the pedigree helps, right? But the we're not playing in 2020. So it's, you know, that, that Bowl win there doesn't help them win this season necessarily. I, I, I don't know. I just, I just don't feel confident in them in the same way. I don't see the same type of quality, the Ravens. I mean, you probably have more doubts about the Ravens because you just have the Lamar Jackson concern that I probably don't have to quite the same extent. The Jags, I can't take seriously. I went and watched the Niners play the Jags in Jacksonville. And that was, I don't want to overreact to a single game, but when you are at a game in person and you just see the difference in speed and physicality from those two teams, it was a different, it was a different standard of football being played. Like there was no doubt about they, the Niners dominated every aspect of that football game and okay, it's one game you can kind of throw it out. Like for example, I don't think the Niners would. Opponent. I don't think the Niners would dominate the Cowboys in the way in which they did early in the season. I think we can kind of throw that off, but I think in the case of the Jags, who are shaky against bad opponents as well at times, I think that was an actual. You saw the golf in class in that game, uh, and that to me, I can't take them too seriously. But they obviously I mean, they could win playoff games.
0: Yeah, and they played better the next week against the Texans, which was actually a great matchup. And I think everyone was a little overhyped on the this is going to be the next seven years of the AFC South, like premier Stroud versus Lawrence matchups. And it's like, OK, let's relax. They both played a good game against each other once. Like, let's not let's not call this like, you know, the the, the premier matchup now. But that, that was a good game. And I, they're OK. I I don't I I, I think they're kind of like the Lions, you know, they're a good team, but I'm not deathly afraid of if a team had to face them, you know, uh oh, game over, they are not in that tier one, they are definitely tier two, I think, again, I think the Dolphins are closer to tier one, than the Jags are.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think – th- but my issue with the Dolphins, right, is we've seen them ba- – basically all the good teams they've played, they've lost to. And yeah, this is the haven't concern. A,
0: a team with a winning record, I think, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: So like when everything – they look unstoppable until they play a good team and then they look decidedly stoppable. And this is the problem. And I think they could beat a – like I think they could beat a good team in the playoffs, obviously. I think they could. There's every chance they represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. But – Can I see them beating multiple good teams based on what we've seen so far this season? It would surprise me. At some point, they're going to come unstuck. And especially, I think, when you look at the way the NFC teams are built, where they are so physical on defense and stuff, I don't think that suits the Dolphins. So if they were to make the Super Bowl, I feel like they're going to have a very bad Super Bowl matchup. Whereas I actually think the teams they play in the AFC on their way to the Super Bowl – that feels like it suits them a little bit more. Like I could definitely see them beating the Chiefs in the playoffs just because they could just – you could have Tyreek Hill go for 200 yards. They're so fast on offense. You could just see them kind of really getting rolling. But I feel like the NFC teams, you could just see Tua get sacked 19 times. You know, like (laughs) it could just get really ugly really fast.
0: And then rounding that out, you have the Steelers, Browns, and Colts. And I would have been – High on the Browns, but I think Watson leaving, even though he wasn't having the best year, he was improving, and the drop off from Watson to to uh, Thompson Robinson is pretty well, Joe significant. Flacco. Although they get to get Joe Flacco, who is now <laughs> sitting in in a number two position, um, well, presumably
1: starting this weekend because of the concussion if, protocol.
0: If he's not out of concussion protocol, yeah,
1: yeah. I I, I I think you will probably see Joe Flacco start this weekend. The bigger concern for the Browns to me is that Miles Garrett injury because, I mean, he's such a game changer for them on defense. On, uh, on I mean, defense. he's
0: probably Defensive Player of the Year at this point right now. Yeah.
1: So if that shoulder injury is significant enough to even just, you know, impact his performance, I think they're in trouble. But I'll go on an officiating rant maybe to wrap up our NFL discussion. Obviously, I was in Cleveland and in their game against the Broncos, the Broncos. We're going to win that game probably no matter what. Although, again, Stefanski kind of can't – another coach who can't get out of his own way in the play calling. Like, again, the Browns felt like they were kind of squeezing that game a little bit and coming back into it, and it was a one-possession game, and it was close, and then you decide to run a double reverse that leads to a fumble, and it was game over. And, like, why you have to do that, these NFL coaches, like, you built – I don't mind the Dolphins doing that. That's what the Dolphins do. And if the Dolphins are going to lose doing that, that's fine. That's Mike McDaniel. He's a consistently an adventurous play caller and he makes it work. And he's built a roster that suits that. The the Browns are like a hard nosed, grinded out football team. Play great defense, run the ball down your throat, win a game 17 14. Like that's what they're built to do. And I hate watching an NFL coach who Feels like still sometimes they have to show off. And Stefanski is one of those where it's like, no, you need to know what your team is and call the plays appropriately. You have what basically is your four string quarterback now as your starting quarterback. Like you, in a, yeah. it's not a time to be super adventurous on play calling in your own half. Save that for maybe when you're up by 20, 20 points at some point in the back end <laughs> of the season. But anyway, the one thing I will say. If I could change an NFL rule, drives me insane. The Broncos had that touchdown where, you know, the player's sort of knee was in bounds by about half a millimeter. It's the correct call. I don't think anyone can complain that is the way we the tight end when he was kind of sliding yeah, out of bounds. Yeah. The the touchdown that put them up by two scores. I hate the fact that and I think we've spoken about this previously, that you can instantaneously establish control going out of bounds. And yet in the field of play, we need to watch you make three steps, make a football move, do all that stuff. But if you toe tap on your way out of bounds and the ball is in your hands for less than a second, as long as you obviously don't lose the ball, you know, kind of going out of ba- like afterwards that's fine you've established possession it's good i cannot legitimately a sport that has those two differences in interpretation and how quickly you can establish possession of a football for a catch and look i don't want to the ranting about the rules and complaining about catches in the nfl there's too many people who do it but that one just i i, I struggle with that one every week <laughs> Like, it, it doesn't make any sense to me that you can somehow be aided by going out of bounds.
0: Yeah, it's it's tough. To, I, so then your rule to change it would be then in the field of play, as soon as you get two feet on the ground and have the ball in your hands, it's fair play that it would be a fumble if it gets knocked out.
1: Sure. Or or you have to make a football move before you go out of bounds. <laughs> I like that aspect of like you toe tap and then do like a stiff arm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> just like in the middle, like you like toe tap and then like do like a spin, like a pirouette just to like, like <laughs> to get like bonus points.
1: Yeah, it's I like, like a, that idea it's like, better. It's like <laughs> ice skating judges yeah. where you had to add, like there's a style component to, uh, to going to make, making a touchdown catch. But I, that's I think how it's... I
0: want that rule to be
1: changed. It's it's one or the other for me, and it's just difficult for me to accept the fact. Like as I said, it's just weird that you the rules change depending on where the where on the field you are in terms of how quickly it's a catch. And I mean, look, does it drive me insane? No, because it, it goes back to the penalty discussion. There is consistency in that interpretation, so that's all I need. Like it doesn't actually bother me. Like I'm not I'm not screaming at the television. Like that's not a catch. I know it's a catch, and that's fine. But it is strange to me. I cannot think of another sport, really, where you have a moment where the interpretation of a very key aspect of the sport changes radically based on position on the field. You know, like that's, that's where I struggle with it a little bit. It's as if they were like the offside law changed in the, in the penalty area in football you know like that's it's, it's like well, no, no 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 when you're close to scoring a goal you're allowed to be half a yard in front of the defender like that's okay like as long as you were behind him at some point that's fine but no if you do it on the halfway line you got to be completely behind him that sounds idiotic but that's actually kind of what they're doing with the catch rule
0: well let's let's wrap up with a uh, little callback to a, a fun little game we like to play and that is family feud so i was watching okay. family feud last night and they were doing the fast money and i saw some pretty terrible answers so i want to see what you would get and then i'll tell you some of the really terrible answers i thought they said give me a second because i just have the answers up so it might take me Like i can't do the rapid fire like he does i don't have the questions yeah, no worries okay first question At what age do you look in the mirror and say, what the hell happened? 40. Okay. Finish this. Blank bean. Baked. Okay. Grandpa probably has a favorite what? Chair. Okay. What is a food that tastes better when you eat it with your hands? Pizza. Where's a good place? Oh, sorry. That's a different one. Um, where would a man go to
1: meditate? Uh, his bedroom. Okay. <laughs> felt, felt you, less confident on that one, but.
0: You did pretty good. So <laughs> the first one, what age you look at the mirror and say, oh shit, something's got wrong. The first person said 30. And I said, wow, what happened in their life that at 30 they're like, fuck my life.
1: <laughs> I can still kind of get it though. Now, you know, like, the you, second,
0: you... way it's better. The second person came in and also said 30. So they gave him the, eh, eh. he then said 20. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for that guy's life. Yeah, that's, a, that's a rough life. <laughs> No, that one made me laugh. Uh, four, I think 40, 40 was the top answer. Um, for the bean one, you said baked bean. That was yeah. top answer. That's what I said as well. The first person said black bean. That only okay. got six. The yeah. next person, so the second guy, when he went, he also said black bean. So he got the eh, eh. He then blank faced, then slightly panicked, and said Potato.
1: <laughs> See, I can get on the bean one because it's singular. What is a
0: potato bean? Does no, no, no.
1: Then no, no, I know that that because it's singular. That was the one thing that kind of threw me off about saying baked because when I say baked bean, I always go beans. Beans. Uh, it does it does push you in the direction of saying like pinto, you yeah. know, like of sorry. Actually, actually,
0: baked wasn't number one. Uh, green bean was number one.
1: Yeah, it does push you in the direction of like naming a thing. But yeah.
0: but, yeah. Yeah. Potato bean was epic. That's one of the dumbest answers I've heard in a while. Um, and then the other ones, I think uh, Grandpa Favorite Chair was number one. Um, that The people there said food and child were their two answers. They did not get very many points for that. Um, pe- uh, food Better With Your Hands, what did you say? I
1: said, pizza. said pizza. Don't love pizza it. Pizza was number one.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah with 34, and then Chicken had 19. That was a pretty good one. When he said Chicken, Steve Harvey loved that. He's like, oh, Chicken, hella better with your hands. That's That was his quote. <laughs> and then the last one was, uh, man goes to meditate, bathroom was number one with 48.
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, that makes sense Yeah, as an answer.
0: But yeah, so I, I, I heard Potato Bean, and then that on top of the guy who said... 30, then 20 as the time in your life when you said what went wrong was pretty good.
1: Yeah. Now, quick wrap up before we stop. One final topic. We have discussed which movies we've watched on flights. Um, obviously, you and I, you flew to Europe not that long ago. So we probably had a pretty similar set of movies. Yeah. You had two recommendations, I think, as a result yeah. of when you went to Hamburg recently. I think you said you watched the Indiana Jones movie and quite enjoyed it. Was that you or is that someone else who I knew?
0: No, I did not like it very much. Okay. I thought it was kind of dopey.
1: I thought it was better than I thought it was going to be. I didn't think it was great, but it was yeah. like an airplane quality experience. Yes. But like end- when you
0: think of like when people who absolutely go crazy for Indiana Jones, I did not get that feeling at all.
1: Yeah. The ending bit was stupid.
0: It was kind of dopey, yes. Yeah,
1: Yeah, if it hadn't had that ending, I actually thought, hey, they've kind of captured the the feeling of an Indiana Jones movie for large yeah. parts of this. I didn't mind that so much, and then the ending got stupid. I did also watch The Covenant, which you had spoken pretty highly of. I liked
0: that. I thought it was pretty good.
1: That, to me, felt like a war movie that had been written by a 12-year-old. <laughs> that was like... <laughs> that, was, that was like... It was kind of video game feeling to me. to to, A little bit. And the thing that bothered me, it felt like, and I was disappointed because Guy Ritchie, normally he has great dialogue normally. And I felt the dialogue let the movie down. It was kind of trying to be poignant at moments. It really bothered me, for example, that people kept calling Jake Gyllenhaal's character by his full name. Like his wife saying to him, like, you better come home, John Kinley. (laughs) (laughs) classic corny dialogue yeah that's like when you have someone say something like that in a movie you should have someone say people don't speak like this yeah you know like if you were going off to war and your wife turned to be like you better come home frank duca You, you, you hear me frank duca you better come home like that's just not a conversation that happens
0: in the vein of those movies, though, I thought it was better than like American Sniper and 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 a few of those other ones that came out that have like a similar idea to it. Like, yeah, it, I, I I was kind of like, you kind of feel the anxiety a little bit when you watched
1: it. Yeah, the thing that did take me by surprise, I obviously kind of knew I'd YouTube clipped a bit of it previously. How long it was after he was saved. Yeah like that bit happened on the plane. And then I went to hit my screen to be like, how long's left in this movie? It's like 57 minutes left still. Yeah, It was like, my God, it feels like we've done the, the big part of this movie. And now I get to watch a guy get on holes. That was, that yeah. Was, that
0: part dragged.
1: Yeah. And him just drunkenly yelling at people. But anyway, we can wrap it up on that note, but just for people about to fly, that's my instant feedback. to. Some. I liked
0: covenant better than Indiana Jones.
1: Oh, I don't know. I mean, I the think I ending
0: the- of Indiana Jones is pretty fucking dopey.
1: It is dopey, but I, I don't and know. And it I, looks
0: bad, too. It did look bad, yeah.
1: Although I give them court credit, you know, I will say this. The young Harrison Ford stuff they did at the beginning of the, the movie. The de-aging looked okay. Looked good. Yes, like but that- him,
0: but Harrison Ford in current age looks awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not their fault. <laughs> But it slightly is because they try and make him look better. That, like, just make him look like he looks. That's fine. Like, he's, he's an older guy. He actually looks good for his age. Like, don't try and make him look better where it's like he, he looks like he, he's got, like, a
1: layer of, like, paint on him. But well, the thing that it did bother me slightly, right, it appeared as if Mads Mikkelsen and, Indiana, like, and Harrison Ford in the World War II scene should have been about the same age. And then they fast forward to the 1960s when the movie then kind of picks up again. Mads Mikkelsen looks about five years older, even though he'd been hit in the face by a, at 60 miles an hour by a stop sign. And Indiana and Indiana Jones had aged 50 years. Like that was the bit that I couldn't quite wrap my head around. But anyway, we yeah. can finish on that note. Uh,
0: that's funny. Yeah, and I have some more. We can do some more TV and movie. Uh, I started to watch. I watched the first episode of The Curse. The new um, uh, Nathan Field, Fielder
1: and I started to watch Squid Games: The Challenge. Have you been oh, watching?
0: Oh, I want to talk about that as well. Oh, we got save okay.
1: it. Okay, <laughs> save it for next episode.
0: Yeah, I don't actually have much to say, but my one comment was, "How funny would it be if these people are told it's like Squid Game, but like it's like a it's like for real, and then oh, they right. get in, and then they actually yeah. get so they shot?" Get
1: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we can we can we can save that. I've got or, some thoughts.
0: Okay, wait, quick. Another idea. I, I, wait, wait, wait. I have one more idea on that. Is that they like stage it. So there's like the first four people are actors in like the first game and they do get shot and like pretend that they've died and then see what the other people do. Like in like the real people. If you see what I'm saying, that would be freaking awesome to see. I wish they had done that. Just like in the first game, that I'm like, nah, just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, let's, uh we'll talk about that next time.
1: That's something to look forward to.
0: All right, talk to you later. (laughs) See
1: ya. (laughs) Cheerio.